Hi, I'm Josh Derno from Tasmania. And um, yeah, I play in the Tasmanian band, The Sketches. I'm about to appear all on my own um, without Wookie and Dave, but I'm in Melbourne at the moment in the Fox and the Wire podcast with my fantastic mate Craig. Um, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be super. Cheers. You're listening to Fox on the Wire podcast. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to episode number 86 of Fox on the Wire. We're slowly getting towards that 100 milestone, and uh, I want to welcome back a very special guest all the way from Hobart, Tasmania, Mr. Josh Derno. Welcome, Josh. Thank you. Great to be here. Welcome back to the show and welcome back to Melbourne. Yeah, um, it's been a while. I believe it's almost four years to the day. Now, where's my notes here? I believe last time you were on the show, it was in uh, it was episode number 24 in January of 2020, before everything turned to shit around the world. Yeah, and you only had a baby podcast, but that baby podcast was resilient and it grew up through all of that stuff. Yep. And now it's become this, not just a fledging podcast, but a mature podcast approaching yes. its hundredth. Yes. Yeah. I well and truly should be over that number by now, and I was hoping to be, but uh, as we were talking about before we came in here, you know, there's uh, other things that you sort of, uh, I guess, take priority in life and unfortunately as much as i'd love to do this every day it's not uh totally viable to do that at the moment but um it you know it makes it uh, all that more special when we do come in here and do this so although it's been a few months this is a big one and uh very happy to have you back here thank you it's so, good to be back i'm yes. liking this setup here i've got eddie van halen doing a high <laughs> kick i've got um Kurt Cobain staring off into the distance. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got Eddie Van Halen's model um, amplifier, Mm -hmm. EVH just there, and I've got Metallica there, Mm -hmm. and we've got Fox and the Wire podcast here. Mm -hmm. It's, um, yeah, pretty sweet. Surrounded by inspiration, actually. Absolutely. Yes, I could uh, spend my days in here quite easily in the toilet (laughs) next door, of course, you know, so the... In the next room, the toilet's there, so that's always handy. <laughs> I guess if there's one positive that's come from the last couple of years is that it did give you, well, okay, you're confined to this space now. Mm. So you take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, this is my safe haven. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love being in here and it's kind of, it's always evolving and it's always sort of changing. You know, I like to move things around just to sort of shift the energy and, and that sort of thing. and um yeah, just in the last couple of years, I've gone a bit sort of gear mad, <laughs> so which I was talking to you about as well, midlife crisis sort of thing. That's what I'm claiming anyway. But you question, is it a crisis? Well, is it a crisis? I mean, like you have spoken to me about, you know, your latest um, adventures playing lead guitar. Now, if you're going to be playing, you know, gigs of repute on lead guitar, you can't have... Um, a dinky little lamp that you picked up on a fair, at a fair, mm-hmm. like um, crackling and, you know, dropping in and out on you. You know, you've got to have something that, you know, lasts a distance and pumps out a solid sound. 
Yeah, that's it. And, um, you know, I sort of try and uh, always bring a certain amount of professionalism to anything I do. Very good. Uh, not that I will be top tier always, but I at least try to the best of my um, ability and knowledge to do that, uh, mm. which is, you know, part of the learning process. And and that's what this podcast has been from day one. It's just sort of step by step, you know, you keep trying to improve things and evolve things and it's just by learning, you know. If you were to listen to those um, podcasts like up until 24 and compare them with now, you'd probably see a significant difference too because you would think or at least hope that as you go along, you actually do get better. Mm. Yeah, well, I'm actually a bit nervous today because, as I was saying, this is the first in-person one that I've done for quite a while. Uh, so the setup's a little bit different here. You know, I'm pretty, because I'm the only one sort of looking after the audio and the video and the lighting and everything, I'm a bit bit nervous right now. Um, I've seen you do some tweaks, <laughs> but it's fine. It's um, that that there've been some gigs that we have played to at a venue that I won't mention because sort of like mentioning venues and their quirks on here isn't a great thing to do. But um, one where the actual sound uh, mixer is just on the stage, which is just next mm. to where the drummer is, and mm. so you've got a drummer, you know, playing something, and then between a the song, you know, it's just moving some faders, running sound, you know, because things aren't particularly organised there. Mm. And so, yeah, I'm kind of used to doing those things as we go, you know. Mm. Mates, is, it, it's that's uh, a fact of life when you're independently doing things. Yeah, you're just on the fly sometimes, and I guess you've got to learn to adapt and. And that sort of thing. But, yeah, having the sound console on stage is a bit of a, I don't know, it's probably not the best idea. Uh, yeah, um, at that particular place, I've seen some different gigs in the past. I've seen Jebediah. Mm. I've seen Black Sorrows. They have a sound person mm-hmm. up the back of the room mixing the sound during it. When someone local has been playing historically, Ah, uh, you're on your own, fellas. Um, yep. Now I've noticed that they have someone there even for local gigs up the back of the room yep. mixing, which works. And, you know, sometimes you'll have people and they're, you know, they're not perfect. Um, but when I say not perfect, there's there's not perfect and there's not perfect. There's not perfect as in unspeakably bad mm. and there's not perfect as in could be better mm. and if i'm describing like for example my guitar's a bit soft and i can't really hear it that well mm. that is not unspeakably bad mm. that is just okay we're doing the hip-hop version of this song are we mm. you know that's all but you know when you actually look at the front and well you look out the front and see whether people in the room are enjoying it or not the answer is yes yeah and if the answer is yes, then it's, well, who cares? The people who are giving up their time and paying money drinking in that pub to watch your show mm. are enjoying it. Mm. So it's good. It is nice to be able to hear yourself, though. I don't, I don't know about you, but yes. I sort of, a lot of my um, feel, I guess you would say, uh, especially electric, playing electric, like that comes off me actually hearing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of it's feel, but you still like to hear what you're doing and sometimes I just find it funny like if you're standing in front of a you know mm-hmm. your quad cabinet your four speaker cabinet mm-hmm. you're standing right in front of it yeah you can't freaking hear it what the hell is that 
That is uh, probably auditory processing mm. um, when other sounds are competing with it. Uh, like I could say, um, for example, you play on your own. Yeah, that's good. That chord sounds nice and fat, good. That lead sounds good. Yep, excellent. And then the drums kick in. Yep. And world of buries, difference. Buries everything. Buries everything. <laughs> yep. It's, it's sort of like- Turn the drums down. <laughs> we can't turn a drum down, but you need. that's why from the start you mix, so you're anticipating the drums coming in, and this is true. But yet again, there's, you know, um, making adjustments on the fly and making adjustments on the fly. Like if I think about- the first cover band gigs that I did, like when I was at the point thinking, oh, yay, I'm finally playing in a band, what I always wanted. Mm. And that kiddie feeling, mm. I'm playing a guitar loud in front of people. Mm-hmm. This is what I always wanted, yay. Yep. And in those days, well, the pub publican didn't care. Okay, turn your own sound up. Um, some punter who's half cut would be saying, oh, can't hear your guitar, it's too soft. Yeah. So you just go over to your amp and you crank it. Crank it. Yeah. <laughs> and eat this. <laughs> and, well, I was also on a, in a band with at one stage when they said, hey, can you turn the treble right down and the mids right up and the bass right up on your guitar? Mm. Fine, okay, yeah. I will let the listener make their own decision about what scenario that brings. But yep. it turned out I'm playing, I'm thinking, I can't really hear the bass that well. Now, hang on, is that the idea? Okay. <laughs> like, but um, then when you are, you know, playing an original set and mm. you have a couple of original bands, on in a pub that night and some is mixing sound. They get shirty with you if you go over and twiddle knobs yeah. on your own amp yeah. and your own guitar because that makes their life harder. Mm-hmm. So you need to trust them. So I'm at a point in evolution where I get through a set and find, well, I did actually say a couple of times, can you have me a little bit louder mm-hmm. in the in the um fallback please yeah, yeah. and i said a few times and i'm not really hearing a change so just get on and play a gig mm. and make sure that you can kind of hear yourself position yourself close to the amp you know have a walk over to the amp have a bit of a listen to the amp maybe the hint will drop um and you know just play so i can hear myself and yeah just get through and yeah sure enough i'm actually not compromising my professional appearance on stage while doing it yeah, because the alternative is twiddling things and making the mixer's life harder, yeah. and you know that's probably where it is. That uh, things won't ever be perfect. No, nah, it's tough, isn't it? It's like you know, getting in a good sound check is um pretty pretty crucial. I think you know, particularly in a band situation. Mm. I think solo acoustic, you can generally it's still important, but it's just you, so you can sort of. You're not competing with um, hearing your guitar or your voice over drum kits and stuff like that or a rumbling bass at your back. But with a band situation, I think a good sound check is um, pretty crucial. I found that out the other night. We played at uh, Max Watts in the city, the old hi-fi bar. Uh, That was my first gig with this particular band, um, Fleeting Persuasion. And the... Three other guys got there a bit earlier than I did because I had to, to work and then make my way after work. Um, so they got a pretty good sound check. And then by the time I got there, it wasn't late, but it was maybe too late for me to get a good sound check. So, of course, you know, we did a quick, real quick sound check and the guy gave me the thumbs up. Uh, and then, of course, gig time came around and I couldn't hear myself. And I've tried to salute to him, you know, like, you know, 
pointing down to the fold back, turned me up a bit. Don't think he saw me. Um, it wasn't disastrous, but I, I didn't hear myself as, you know, I had my amp to my back and I had nice foldback speakers in front, but I still couldn't hear myself properly or as well as I would have liked to. But um, In proportion to other instruments. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, you're kind of just on the fly sometimes and you just got to deal with it, unfortunately. Uh, I think that'll always happen when yeah. you have venues where they say, look, can you be here for sound check? Oh, well, thanks. Well, actually, no, I can't be there for sound check at that no. time, mate. I'm working. Yeah. 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 That's just the reality of depending what level you're at, you know. Um, but uh, it was a good gig regardless. Um but yeah, it's. I think that's where, like, if you're touring around, you know, and you've got the same sound guy every night or sound guys, that's probably hugely beneficial. You know, they know what you want, and um, you, you, you know, uh, even if it's by the time you hit the stage and something's a little off, um, they probably know that potentially and know what adjustments to make because they know what you like and what you like to hear up on stage and that sort of thing. But when you're just playing gigs at different venues with different sound guys, yeah, it's just luck of the draw. Yeah. Um, definitely there are some that I've noticed that they have, throughout the gig they're paying an uncanny level of attention. Mm. Um, and they will talk to you about sound because they're kind of nerds about it. And I actually like, yeah, the sound guys who are nerds about sound. Yep. On one end of the spectrum, I've heard. Look, at the end of the day, it's just a job. Mm. I'll let the listener um, make their own mind up about that comment. Mm. But then others will say, "Yeah, oh, when you hit your distortion pedal, that lifts it a few dB, mate." So I had to kind of back off because you know when you peak like that, mm. it can throw things out. I just had to put that there. Mm-hmm. Others, you'll actually see physically moving around the room to different parts of the room during a gig. Yep. And you're thinking this person's paying attention. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Um, another made a remark, well, look, some people actually look at the EQ. Mm. I don't look at that. I listen. Mm. That's sound, not graphics. Mm. So that was interesting. That guy, that later guy, um, yeah, he was working at an old um, pub that, isn't really well. It's isn't operational at Hobart anymore. But now he works at a big venue where he's actually holding an iPad oh, yeah. and adjusting yeah. sound these days. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, mm. yeah. Um, I could go on. Mm. I think you're onto something when you were speaking about with a band and having acoustic stuff because and touring. Because when I was touring in Victoria a few years ago, I did have my acoustic guitar, mm. and sure enough, it were they were no headaches for sound. Yeah. Um, when we played the sketches over at um, Hobo Fopo, short for Hobart Original Folk and Punk Orgy. Yeah. That's what it's called, the festival. Okay. We just had me on an acoustic guitar and a bass and drums. Yep. And, well, one, folk and punk, so the electric instruments took a back seat and the acoustic instruments um, kept a type, kept a genre. Mm. But second just doesn't make sound headaches Mm. for the mixer. Yeah. And also, too, I think people appreciate the clear sound Mm. in a lot of cases. Yep. 
Depending on time of day, if it's getting probably a bit towards midnight, maybe they like something that's loud and purging. If it's uh, early evening, they probably like the acoustic guitar. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely appreciate those sound guys that do pay that extra bit of attention. I've seen some sound guys, you know, will get the band set up and then they'll just spend half the night outside smoking or they're not even at the desk. And I'm thinking, <laughs> dude, you've got to stay there just in case, you know, anything could happen. So I know one particular case that matches that exact description, Craig. Yeah. There was only just one exception with him. He would actually get all the levels set up. Yeah. He'd get everything there. But from start to finish with your gig, you would not have a problem. Mm. So he did frequently go outside, have a cigarette, come back, order a palmy at the bar, sip, yeah. have tea, <laughs> then come back, have a token. Yeah, things good, fellas. And yeah. you just nod because things were fine. Yeah. So I guess if you're that confident, maybe you can do that. I prefer someone who is paying attention. Yeah. But then you don't want to, you know, tell someone else how to do their job either. So you try and stay in your box. You do, which is why, yeah, those times you say, mate, can I please come up in the file back mm. a couple of times and it mm. doesn't happen. Then I guess you just, well, you know, you do stay in your box. At the end of the day, you don't want to foul your nest. You don't want to get a really crappy mix next time you play there. And people tend to do that if they feel like they're not being respected or yeah. feel like they're, Oh, yeah, I'm just the slave driver. I'm just the sound guy for this big rock band, am I? (laughs) And, you know, kind of if you swap and you kind of put yourself in their shoes, well, you know, I've got someone yelling at me. Oh, yeah, Mm. cool. Um, It's human nature. I guess there's there's a way to to tell them or to to speak to people. Yeah. Keep that in mind. Manners help. So, Josh Durno and the sketches, or just the sketches? It's the sketches. The sketches? (laughs) Yes. Uh, varying quantities of rock and folk mixed with plenty of energy since 2011. Yeah, we're 12 years old now. Looks like you guys have been playing live quite a lot in the last uh, year, last six months. Finished, had- finished out the year doing quite a lot of shows and you've already jumped into one or two this year by the looks of it. Yes. Um This year we've had one, but I've got another house show coming up where I will be playing solo. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, original shows are interesting because if you play, well, Melbourne is Melbourne with a large population with different venues all over the place. Hobart is Hobart with a small population Mm. with only so many to go around. So if you play gig after gig after gig after gig, it has a diluting effect. But if you, I mean, we played... 10 shows in 2023, which mm-hmm. we're happy with. And I played a, a house show just with Wookie on bass, oh, me yeah. on acoustic guitar. And then I played a house show just on acoustic guitar, just me. And um, yeah, we're happy. Mm. We're happy um, with that. And um, yeah, it's. Um, how could I go about um, describing it? It just seems to be, well, you're the early days where. You're just so keen to prove yourself every gig, but like when you actually stop doing that, you're thinking, "Oh, let's just get up and have fun." Yeah, it's effortless, and people pick up on that. Mm. Oh yeah, there's these people up there having fun. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen you guys for a couple of years now, but um, you've always got a good. Even if you're playing solo, you know, you've got a really sort of 
high energy but positive energy up there. Thank you. Um, yeah, how does that come about? Um, well, you guys are all mates. That's, we that, are. That's, that's a start. Very much so, and, like, we just understand each other because we've known each other for a very long time now. Yeah. Um, David is David, a great drummer and a highly sought-after drummer. Mm. He drums with a lot of people now. He looks like he's got a lot of energy. Very um, much just so. Not even just on stage, but, you know, off stage as well, like a really positive sort of drummer sort of energy. Hello, sir. Yeah. Yes, very much <laughs> Which so. Which is what you want from a drummer. And Wookie is Wookie. Yeah. Like... Yeah. He is just, um, yeah, the um, 80s comedy geek come yeah. bass player yeah. who's just there with a very, yeah, there's a lot of positivity to Wookie. Mm -hmm. um, and I get to play with both of them. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting too because the whole journey is that, hey, these guys actually say that they, you know, want to play songs that I've written, but at the same time too, sort of I've written them and they're making them yeah. by... Um, putting a lot of energy into it. So what's the general process? You'll sort of come up with something at home, take it into the two guys and sort of jam it out from there? Is that generally? This is the thing with a band because they are your first filter mm. for a song. Yep. If you've written a steaming turd, <laughs> that doesn't see the public. Yeah, yeah. But uh, if you run it by the bandmates and it passes, chances are the public will enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And then you realise that something, it, it grows legs, you know. Um, it sounds different with the drum and bass. I mean, I do like to visualise it being a band song. I've taken that approach into recording mm. where I've visualised how I want a song to sound. But then there's other things like when I've got a song that's, say, like 13 years old and it's performed now mm. and it has evolved into a completely different animal to what it was in the past, yep. particularly in extreme cases where I actually re recorded that solo years ago and now with the sketches it, it's quite an energetic song, it's faster, it's louder. Um, and also, too, on stage, you pour energy into it. Mm. You know, it's uh, delivered in a way. Um, I am trying to look for ways of describing that that don't sound like I'm wafting on, but you're not just singing a song, you're performing a song. Um, you're not preaching a song at people, you're sharing a song with them. So they're either paying attention and noticing it if they have a an attentive, critical ear or eye. Others, oh, yeah, rock on, and they're dancing to it. Well, okay, that means the song has energy. Mm -hmm. And others, oh, yeah, yeah, nice tune. And mm -hmm. you'll get a spectrum. Yeah. But um, the band is the first filter. Mm. You know, that's how it works. And, yeah, um, I'd like to introduce new um, songs to the band, but, you know, they are also, like yourself and me, working people who have their own things in life and, you know, time to jam is precious. Yeah. You know, people, you, you can't always just click your fingers and have people there. Mm -hmm. It's not Star Trek. 
Mm. They don't just whoop, morph into the room. Um, what about because you had um, got his name now on the uh, on the fiddle on the violin? Uh, hang uh, on. Hamish. Hamish, that's it. Well, there's a problem with Hamish. Yep. Not that there's a problem with Hamish, but there's a problem yep. with his location relative to us. Right. Yeah, he moved a bit further to Westbury, yeah, um, northwest Tasmania. Right. It is hard to get him down. Yeah. Yeah. There's also another thing too, our transition. Um, when you played a couple of gigs with us, mm. we were an acoustic trio. Mm. A very, that's another thing with transition, a very, very different beast mm. compared to um, now where we are a rock band. Yeah. Um, at the same time too, since then, the odd solo show that I'd played I'd actually given Hamish a buzz and say, well, Hamish, you know, I've got this booked on my own, but would you like to join me? And he has. Yeah, okay. And that's, you know, something that suits well. Yeah, yeah. I've known Hamish for 13 years. Yeah. Um, I've played, I played in a trio with him at the earlier point called Pop Billy Strings, mm. where he's into trad folk and he's a great violin player. Yeah, very much. Um. But that's his thing. Mm. He likes trad folk and he's a very, very good player. And I actually don't have a lot of folk in my musical collection at home. Mm. I just was playing shows on an acoustic guitar. Yep. But then when a band came along, I got to play my electric guitar and use my amp and use my pedals and play things loudly. And just um, jump around all over the place, and it was fun. Yeah, that's absolutely something I've missed in the last decade <laughs> when I went um, solo acoustic, uh, which is why I've got back into the electric stuff in the last couple of years. Just missed it. Mm-hmm. It's just a different different animal. I love the acoustic stuff, but I didn't realise how much I missed the electric stuff. Um, so what sort of gear... Like amps and guitars, what sort of gear are you using? Yeah. Um, if David was to listen to this podcast now, he would be proud of me. Yep. Oh, well, you see, the thing is I've got this set up in that uh, beginning I used to have a, a Roland amp. Yes. And I'd have my pedals that I got, which were basically a Boss and Behringer Frankenstein arrangement. Mm-hmm. But there'd be little things that would develop, like one, um, a Roland's a nice, clean amp, mm-hmm. and you would use, like, distortion, like a Boss distortion to give it grunt. Yep. But uh, I found that I had to make adjustments to that, so I use a Marshall combo, mm-hmm. and I would use the Frankenstein arrangement with the Behringer and the Boss pedals, yep. but I'd also use the foot switch for the Marshall in the early days. Now, there's sound fluctuations all over the place, but then I found, too, at a recent gig uh, last year, you'd get voltage fluctuations as well to the point where you'd plug in at the beginning of the gig, oh, hang on, how come I can't hear that? So you're swapping things over and you're removing some pedals to set up. We've got a sound, we've got a sound, good, play a gig. I'd be thinking, okay, I've got to do something about this. So I, the Behringer... um, Pedals are put out to pasture with my Roland amp in my lounge room. So mm. if I feel like just noodling on my electric guitar while watching a movie, I can. Yep. 
But for gigs, I've replaced those pedals with Boss pedals now. Yeah. And it's consistent and solid. So were you getting like a hum sort of sound or just like uh, was, was it just noisy? No, it was like one night just wondering, hang on, how, can I, how come I can't hear anything? Oh. How come? Okay, rearrange, take this out, yeah. take this out. But okay, now I'm hearing something. Mm-hmm. Cool, let's just get through this gig. <laughs> and those experiences, that, that was restricted to one gig mm. with that and that gave me a signal to just stick with the boss, get the boss power supply as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the Marshall combo amp is good. It. It has a clean channel, and I just use the clean channel and let the boss pedals do the rest. I like to use a digital delay with a few. Th- yeah, that's what I like to generously use. Uh, interesting when you do, you know, a Nirvana-like effect with a chorus and a distortion mixed together. Mm. At home, I've got an old boss overdrive pedal, but I don't use that in conjunction with distortion because that's overkill. Is that the yellow? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. But now I've got just this Behringer uh, old crappy boss um, Frankenstein arrangement in my lounge room Mm. with an old Tascam power supply that I use to power it. And, like, when I just switch on the amp and, you know, I tune, I hit the tuner pedal so I can get a sound. Uh, First of all, I just hear this. (laughs) So that's nowhere near stage (laughs) now. Now now these days I've, I've... it's it's just a thing too. Like for so many years, the only thing I knew about a guitar was how to play it. Mm. But actually, getting professional gear and mm. everything, uh, I would be a bit of a tightwad for a while. But you know, realizing well, the thing is, is that okay? It's actually not your playing that's the problem. But if you have things making funny noises or cutting out on stage, it actually looks really unprofessional. Yeah. So you've actually got to get that set up. But, you know, since making those changes, yeah, um, Boss Pedals and a Marshall Combo, Mm -hmm. cut the mustard. Mm. Good stuff. Mm. I had some uh, occasions with custom-made guitars that were just old kind of custom-made guitars that a friend of mine gave me to use, which, um, yeah, they actually didn't work too badly. one that I had was actually had what looked like a concrete body because it was massively heavy. Then mm. <laughs> in making the concrete body, they'd obviously drilled several holes about this big. I was going to ask you about yes, it. that, that one. one, yeah, that one. The um, the new profile pic of the sketches. <laughs> You've got this tally shaped guitar with yes. all these freaking holes in it. Yes, I'm like, I have to ask him about this because it was uh, so heavy. Oh, so it's heavy. Because I was going to, I'm like. Did he put holes in it to make it easier to jump around on stage? <laughs> no, I just jump around regardless. Yeah, so it's actually heavy. Yes, it is. What's it made out of? I don't know, some kind of concrete compound. I don't know. Right, okay. But it is heavy and has all these holes drilled in it. Yeah. But I'm thinking, well, it's such a freakish-looking guitar, people are going to look at it. Yes. <laughs> and they do. Yeah. Another thing, too, is that unlike Telly's, it also had a humbucker. Uh-huh. And, like, that gives you a nice um, thick yeah. sound. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I appreciated that. Mm. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Yeah. I'm like, no, I've got to ask him about that. What the hell is that thing? So, mm. yeah. But, um, yeah, that's um, fine. Uh, also, too, I guess another thing with upgrade of gear over the years is feeling whether I deserve the top model or not. Now, I don't play the top model 
gear. Mm. Um, but then there's another thing that I've learned along the way. Okay, it's not the top model, but get something that cuts the mustard so it actually sounds and looks professional. Yeah. You know, that's something that you actually need to actually put out there. Yeah, I mean, you can't have a guitar going out of tune constantly no. on stage or, you know, something that breaks strings really easily. And what's that white guitar? Is that an Epiphone that you've got? Epiphone copy, yeah. and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And that gets through gigs and got the humbuckers again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're right about when you actually say about things that lose tune because- mm. Some guitars that I played with over the years, you know, entry level guitars. Yeah. You'd actually notice that when you go to a studio and you play them, you have some intonation issues. Yeah, yeah. For yep. some reason, you cannot get that fat E string perfectly in tune. It can be frustrating, and sometimes you only really discover it in the studio. Actually, no, you discover it live, but you kid yourself and you just get through the gig. Yeah, you can get away with it for the most part. This mm. is really severe, but. Yeah, once you hit the studio, everything's sort of really uh, magnified. When you hit the studio, a slight perfection can become really, yeah. imperfection can become really grating. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That is something that I've noticed. Yeah. Um, maybe I might use holy guitars in the studio. Who knows? <laughs> What's uh, now, you guys, I don't know if you've released it yet. Brand new song you sent me. Ah, Buggin' the Code. Yeah, that's actually with a few songs and I'm getting in touch with a studio as we speak. Yep. Because um, we just, am I a bit quiet? Oh, uh, yeah, just. Yeah, car, move right forward. Up. Just a. Me being a bit quiet. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, there was a time during the pandemic where we had a little local project called A Song A Day Till the Virus Goes Away. Mm. Which was an interesting challenge. I'd sit down and see if I could write a new song every day. Yep. That was another thing that had a filter to it because there's just this little group that we had on Facebook and people would either like or love react songs. Mm -hmm. Now, some songs worked with that audience. Some songs work with the band. And the ones that work with the band are the ones that have kind of survived the filtering process and since they've survived the filtering process, then we think, yeah, we're going to record them. Mm -hmm. And probably with alongside some other songs that I released solo back in the day, but, um, you know, have grown another life as we've played them in the band. But, yeah, you heard that song, but I'm very proud that it comes to a total of two minutes. Is that that's change of state? Is that? The one that I sent you is a bit less than three minutes. Yeah, Change of State is another one that oh, right. is another new one. That wasn't written, that was written pre-pandemic. Have you released that as a single yet? Or we would like to. Oh, okay, yeah, so it's still not available. It's still not available, but at the same time too, um, I thought, well, look, I'll give you a copy of a song that we yeah. have written, yeah. and there it is. <laughs> Beautiful song. Yeah, it's different to what I'm used to hearing from you guys, I guess. In what way? Maybe it's the electric angle. Ah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it reminded me of. Maybe, I don't know, I'll probably have to sit with it a bit longer to sort of form a proper opinion. R.E.M. Um, went through acoustic and electric moods. Yeah. Getting sick of something and then moving mm. to something else. Um, and they did both very well. I, I believe I so. Yeah. 
Um, it wasn't actually conscious or purposeful mm. um, with me. It just came out that way. Um, that's the best way I can put it. Yep. I think that there's a certain amount of um, songwriting or practising a new song with a band that is, to a large extent, um, rather involuntary. In organic, it just grows a particular way. Mm. Um, like being outside with a camera and then you see that the sun is shining in a particular way. And so you take a photo that's not how you plan, but you're happy with the result. Mm. Even though that's maybe not what you thought would happen or predicted. Yeah, but just because it's not what I thought would happen in the first place doesn't mean it's bad. No. It can often be better. Yeah, but you've just got to be open to um, rolling with that, I guess. Mm, well, this is the whole thing. I'm sort of... The sketches are a very um, kind of interdependent unit at the moment. So how I plan things is one thing, but it's three people that mm. take the song into its final direction and beyond. Yep. Are you guys playing any covers in your sets just for, for fun, generally? Um, no. Yep. No. Um. And if I was playing a solo set, I would um, be at a point where I'd play originals where I've run out of covers. Mm. Like, and I don't think I play covers. I, I stopped playing covers several years ago. And, like, I would learn a song and learn a cover, but um, then I'd forget it because I'd never play it. Yeah, yeah. You know, when was the last, when was the first wedding I played? Um, let alone when was the last wedding I played, when was the first? Mm. And actually, yeah, sorry, February 2011. Mm. Um, cover stuff, uh, what, busking several years ago, yeah, to get through three hours on your feet, I would yeah, learn some yeah. covers, but yep. I've forgotten them. Yeah. We don't play covers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe we could slip in one, but we'd rather play our own music. Yeah, absolutely. So you haven't been uh, you haven't been busking the last couple of years. No. Do people still busk down at the uh, what's it called the market there? The Salamanca Market. Yeah, always buskers there. Ah, uh, there are buskers there. Yeah. Salamanca Market can be a bit fickle for busking. Yeah. Um, because you've got the well, the Hobart City Council, which is just wonderful, um, has um, limits of twenty minutes per spot with buskers there. Twenty minutes. You heard correctly. 20 minutes. So 20 minutes and then what? You have to pack Move up? On. Or just how far? To the next designated busking spot. Along the same strip there? Along the same strip there. Okay. Um, some stallholders sort of like, you sort of look at them and you say, hey, do you mind me playing here? Mm. Other times I said, okay. Are you happy if I stay? Yeah, sure, go ahead. Then you find someone 50 metres away says, yeah, no, nah, that's a bit long, mate. And I'm thinking, so the people in my immediate vicinity here are fine with it, but you aren't over there. Is that another stall 
Holder. Yeah, right. another stall holder. Yeah. Um, but you'll get that wherever you've been busking. Um, yeah. Like oh, I came and busted a farmer's market like we're going back 13 years here. Other, some people really liked it. One person complained that I was driving the customers away. <laughs> Having said that, he packed up early and then slammed the door of his ute and he drove off in a huff because yeah. he wasn't selling his apples. Yeah. But I'm sorry, mate, that because of me you couldn't sell your apples. Mm. But, you know, others were selling their cakes and whatnot yep. quite well. So, you know, again, look. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just bad news if you're trying to sell apples, mate. Mm, just not apple buying music, I guess. And I'm from Tasmania. <laughs> I'm uh, that's yeah. I I don't know, but you know, far back in the day, farmers markets I actually found a really good start for busking. Mm. But you know, just always have an etiquette. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, choose some songs. Uh, sing them. I found that was a good way of you know playing my own stuff and if people are putting in tips when I'm playing my own songs, well, maybe they're yeah. not that bad. Yeah. Um, but I was the person I was then too and made mistakes and that it's uh, busking's not an environment for dynamics in your voice so much mm, Yeah. because people can't hear it. Um, it's a good environment for getting your voice to carry mm. and using your diaphragm. Yeah. Uh, you also need – you get quite fit busking for several hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in a room and busking, then, yeah, read the room. Your voice will echo. You don't want to drown out vendors. But I haven't busked for several, several years because you say time moves on, but also my life's moved on. Mm. I do other things in the morning on weekends now. Yep. Well, moving into that, I'm assuming you're talking about running or fitness. Yes, I run. Um, I think we talked about this in depth. Um, when you were here first time around a couple mm. of year, uh, four years ago. So um, how is your fitness and running journey going currently? I always tell people it's progressing because when I, I start at the start line and I progress and sure enough, I finish at the finish line. <laughs> so yeah. I guess I'm progressing. Yeah, yeah. That's the smart Alec remark. Um, <laughs> well, not everyone finishes, I'm sure true this is very true yeah. um but at the same time too i'm not as fit and fast as i was since last time i was here mm. because well one i you know I, I changed jobs which is taking which took a lot of my mental energy last year right and so when you were going to do a training session at night and you're knackered before you start yeah when it using mental energy mm-hmm is every bit as tiring as using physical energy. Yeah. People often talk about it in a unit known as spoons. Mm. You know, I I don't have the spoons to talk to this person today. Mm. You know, we've all been at that stage thinking, no, I'm sorry, I'm I'm going to, if I talk to that person, I'm going to lose it. No, I, I can't do it. You know, but not having the spoons to do the same exercise effort that you usually would. Okay, I guess I'm just going for a jog. Mm. Waking up uh, on a Saturday morning, you know, wanting to go to a park run, but, oh, I'm knackered from the working week. Yep. Oh, I guess I'll just trot through this today. You yeah. make a habit of doing that, but at least you're turning up and doing it. Yeah, as long as you're doing something. I mean, I've mm. found not to take away from what you're about to talk about, but mm. i found the last couple of years more mentally draining 
um, in what I do every day, which has sort of halted me from doing this podcast, I think, more often because this is a mental, you know, thing that I want to put a positive energy into, mm. but I just didn't have the... All I wanted to do was just come home and play guitar, close the door, play guitar, and just just do that. I didn't want to sort of interact any more than I had to with other people, unfortunately. It just I was just... Um, I was knackered mentally, and I still feel that. But um, mm. so yeah, I, I get what you're what you're talking about because um, it does affect you physically as well, hmm. for sure. For sure. Um, and that's the thing when you're stressed, your immune system takes a hit, mm. and you find that you know you're getting sick. Yeah. Um, also, too, you're looking at this podcast. This is something you enjoy doing. It's yeah. interactive, but it's a positive energy. And the more you do this, the more energized you are from actually doing it. Whereas if you work with customers, that can be a pleasant experience or a not so pleasant experience. Mm. And when it's a not so pleasant experience, they're customers. They're people actually responsible for your income. Mm. And as a result, you're you're using emotional labor. Mm. And that can be very, very tiring indeed. Um, In extreme cases, someone could be quite irate with you and really, the source of the problem is is that they actually haven't read an instruction. Mm. Yeah. And that happens often. Yeah. Yeah. We could go on, but, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's many cases where, well, I don't know. I mean, I could talk about cases, but then, you know, find myself without a job. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm not going to go into specifics, but. Uh, no. Nah. Yeah. Just, um, so. So you're still doing the marathons? You're still running marathons? I think I've run my last marathon. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of, yeah, marathons are, they, I remember the last, yeah, last one, Cadbury Marathon um, that I did no, three years ago now. We had it um, in Easter and that was April 2021. So it was before they had the next second, the next wave of lockdowns in Melbourne. Mm. And so we had some come down from Melbourne because they were free to. Yeah. And did that. But, yeah, it was quite a windy day. I found it noticeably harder to run quickly after 35K. Mm. And then at 40K, my um, hamstrings cramped. Mm. So I needed to stand there and stretch. And then I started to shuffle into a jog and then thinking, Oh, yikes, okay, I can run. And then I just jogged through the final 2K. It yeah. wasn't pleasant. Yeah, but you still did it. <laughs> I did it. Did it. Correct. Yeah. I did it. But, I mean, it's something I'll continue doing. But, I, I, well, one, I can't put the same energy into it as I once did. And then also, too, there's a stage when you do things which are exciting. Mm. And so that has an energy that comes with it. Now I guess um, I'm older and I can't do what I used to do. Mm. Um, I can't commit the same energy into doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, motivation is another thing, sort of like where you look at it and you're thinking, well, if there's a reason why you can't do it anymore, there's another reason too which you need to own up to. You probably don't want to achieve that as much as you once did. Mm -hmm. And there are other things going on in your life that you were putting your passion into, and that's fine. You know, you have spoken in this podcast yourself. 
you were doing acoustic stuff and now you are going into, you know, playing your electric guitar as well and you're enjoying that energy. And the cycle will turn. Yeah. And you'll want to put your energy into acoustic stuff again. Mm -hmm. And that's just being human, I think. Yeah. It's pretty hard to put 100% into everything as much as you want to. I don't know if it's possible a lot of the time, you know, even if it's just time constraints, you know, it's hard to give 100% in absolutely everything. So sometimes you just have to focus, I think, more so on one thing and, and uh, yeah, you might have to put another thing to the side for a little bit. But what do you, so what do you normally do now to keep fit? Are you, you're still running, just not competitively? Or I still do park runs on the weekend. I yeah. still do long runs on a Sunday. I still do jogs during the week. Yep. Um, I quite enjoy riding a bike from Warrnambool to Coroit and back just uh, this week. That was fun. Sidewinds get a little bit nerve-wracking when you're travelling quickly on a bike. Yep. Um, I think I spoke to you about this in the car. Um, you know, that's what I do. I must say, if you go for a 10K run and you have a gig that night, <laughs> your singing improves. Oh, really? Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. you can control your breath a lot better. Um, so that's what I do for fitness. Um, yep. You know, then that's uh, a focus this year. There have been more sketches, gigs again, so energy put into music that was once there, then waned, then coming back. It's, again, circles turning. Yeah. I'm actually thinking about what you told me before about putting energy into the acoustic music and now you are, you know, getting your electric drops really hot again. You did actually come up with some, you know, quite impressive singles and a video with the Acoustic Fox Project. You actually achieved goals. Mm. Once you've achieved the goals, the motivation that you had actually served its purpose purpose and reached that point, mm. you know. Maybe that's why you're into the electric stuff now because you've got, you simply got a new goal. Mm. Yeah. And it will go back to the acoustic stuff at some stage. Undoubtedly. Like, it's still there. Um, I mean, I'm actually, I'm kind of sick of just playing those acoustic songs. So I'm actually writing a new batch of songs. So I figure, yeah, you know, it might take a while. I'm, I'm not in a hurry to do that, but I'm, I'm sort of trying to consistently work on it just to, you know, so you don't sort of forget what you've been working on. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm sort of trying to get a new batch of – because I just got sick of playing the songs that I was playing. Um, so, yeah, just trying to refresh in with a new batch of songs, I guess. How long does it take you to write your best songs in general? It's taken me longer and longer, I think, these days because I'm getting more uh, fussy. I don't know if fussy is the right word. Maybe that's not a fair word to use. I'm getting tougher on myself. Uh, fussy, um, means particular, but particular, it, yep. it can talk about, when you say fussy, often people hear it and they assume a certain pettiness. Mm, yeah. That's Whereas right. you're paying a ten, you're paying attention to detail, aren't you? Yeah. And, you know, almost 
painfully too much sometimes because, yeah, so I'm trying to relax myself in the the writing process, you know, just to let it, and then I can go back later on and really pick things apart. But I just want to let that writing process flow a bit better. So I'm trying to go a bit easy on myself, you know. Because at this stage, I haven't shown anyone anything anything new, so it's just me, so I don't have to be too critical. But um, that's just the way my brain works, unfortunately. So especially lyrically, sort of struggling. And, you know, especially in the last couple of years, that's why I was happy just to play guitar because I found that easier to express myself rather than lyrically or vocally. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to turn that lyrical tap, so to speak, back on, but that's very hard to um, be happy when I'm coming out with. So, mm. yeah. Lyrics are an interesting beast too, yep. aren't they? Because, I mean, it is writing. Mm. Like a novel that gets your attention is writing. Mm. Um, the best novelists create an image in your head straight away. Mm-hmm. You can actually follow. They describe that scene and they move on. Um, you can follow conversations. When you're writing lyrics, um, some people are very prosaic mm-hmm. with writing lyrics. Um, some people, well, the worst lyrics are just written there because they rhyme and that's it. Mm. But um, other people can really use the best words in the best places to put their message across with things. Um, And then they really hit a jackpot if they're getting you to listen Mm. and uh, they're getting you to think. Uh, One really strong lyric, which actually does rhyme, that I've heard is... um, Sort of like, um, can you forgive and forget? And then afterwards, can you catch water in a net? (laughs) Now, that makes you chuckle because it's clever. Yeah. But also, too, you instantly understand what that means. Mm. Um, That's actually a really great lyric that I've heard. Um, And also, too, it sums up exactly how somebody is feeling. Mm. Um, then there's other if you actually think of who your favourite lyricists might be um, they really do come from different angles like um, well just at the end of last year when Shane McGowan passed away he did not ever at any stage in his career pretend to be anything other than mm. what he was. Mm. And yet when you hear, you know, um, Fairy Tale of New York, which is a Christmas song that is not played as often as other Christmas songs we hear, but he's just basically, well, from what I remember from the first verse, written a song about being drunk and disorderly and putting a slammer and then rolling over and passing out and dreaming of his loved one. Yeah, well. But... He hasn't pretended to be anything else. Yeah. yeah. But yet it is a song about him from his point of view and it sounds very Irish. Mm. Um, Paul Kelly wrote a song about, you know, seeing football at the MCG, which is just timeless. Mm. Um, 
and there's other other you know um other lyrical attempts that um really come across really well but i'd probably waste time in your podcast trying to grasp them you know what i mean recalling things can actually take a fair amount of energy mm-hmm. then you've probably got sorry i said i wasn't going to mm-hmm. probably john lydon from the sex pistols is a very very interesting case because at no stage in his career has he ever pretended to be able to sing mm. and yet his delivery of his lyrics is up there as one of the most effective vocalists if that makes sense mm. you can't by any stretch of the imagination call him the best because that's subjective, but as far as effectiveness is concerned, it works. Mm. I could go on, mm. but how do you approach lyric writing? Um, I don't know. I guess I'm trying to be more aware of it these days. Like I kind of used to just write lyrics, and from what I can remember, I wasn't that overly particular or thinking too much about it. But these days, I kind of a little bit more switched on about it and trying to maybe not be so literal or not so negative. So I'm trying to approach it differently. Um, yeah, just, I don't know. I don't think I can really answer that properly. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm a little bit more aware of it for this current batch of songs or what I'm trying to do now. I guess I'm trying to connect with my own lyrics more, as silly as that sounds, you know. So, yeah, I can't really answer that properly, I don't think. Hmm. Maybe in a few years I'll be able to answer that one on the next episode with you. Um, Yeah. It makes me wonder, um, that could lead to another question. For example, do chefs get fussier when they taste their own food? Mm. I don't know. Do painters put that many more brushstrokes mm. onto their painting than they used to? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a perfection thing. But I don't think you can make anything perfect, whether you're a chef, a lyric writer, Mm. painter. You know, perfect isn't a thing you're really aiming for. Mm. And yet we chase it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I'm chasing at the the moment. It's more just a connection, I think, with myself (laughs) to get all, uh, yeah, I think I can't really explain it at this stage. But, yeah, that's something songwriting has always sort of helped me with or, uh, yeah. So, yeah, can't really answer that at the moment. It's fine. Hmm. Yep. So what's on the cards for the sketches this year, 2024? Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, yeah, as I said, we've got the uh, songs that came from the song A Day Till The Virus Goes Away project as well as other ones that i've written like the one that you mentioned bugging the code 
mm-hmm. that we'll put. We'd actually like to release something that's more of an album rather than another EP. Right, yeah. And hence that will involve some re-recording of some older songs as well. Mm. Some songs that I wrote solo that we play in the sketches mm-hmm. now as a band and have done for a while. And so yep. we need to make it a sketches project thing. Yep. But thinking of, yeah, going in to the studio and getting seven songs out and beginning that in a beginning that long process of recording in April or May. Mm. We've played a few pubs now and you need to actually put that into something and create a recorded legacy. Mm. At the same time, something's starting in movement. Um, a growing hashtag, which is 2024 year of the house show. Mm. Because as there have been a couple of issues that crop up with venues, yeah. such as, for example, oh, discovered problem with building code. Oh, venue can't have music anymore. Mm. Well, yeah, well, this person's house will do. Yeah. Um, but there's kind of an organic <laughs> movement yeah. that crops up with that yeah. and having new music to share with those people. Mm. In actual fact, it's not new music from our point of view. It's actually not new music at all. We've played it a lot. Mm. But that will be in the form of a recording. Mm. 2019 was the date of our last release. Mm. And yeah. so it's time for another one. Yep. So if you were to ask me for a quick answer, because I'm very terrible at giving quick answers, what's in store for 2024, it would be beginning recording come April, May. Yep. And, well, there'd be gigs, and those gigs could be in a pub or looking at 2024, could be the year of the house show. Mm. But... um. Connecting with different people, they're as good as well. Actually like the feel of being in a house show. It's not just you on stage. You're enjoying everyone else's music there as well. Mm-hmm. You're part of it just by being there. You're contributing to the gig. You're contributing to a counterculture. Um, yeah, and I'm getting to actually know some people and talk about not just music but shows. Yeah. And, um, you know... One guy springs to mind, he will be there and he'll be mixing the music and rocking out, you know, just having his me party. Then he will be playing bass in a band. Um, Looking forward to playing music with a couple of, you know, cool bands there too. A couple of cool bands that I've seen crop up in Hobart at the moment. One's called Woolworth's Flu Shot, um, which play quite an aggressive brand of hip-hop. One song that they've got which sticks in mind is called 70 Bucks, where they're talking about scraping together money for groceries. Mm. Um, They are the big leaders of the year of the house show at the moment. Mm -hmm. Another band um, which David, our drummer, plays in is called Who Threw That, which, uh, again, uh, they launched an EP at a house show on tape. Mm. There's some seriously cool stuff happening. So I just dropped the names of some local bands. Yep. In Hobart at the moment, cool. they are people I'd like to go and see, but you know, people who will they are people will pop up at house shows as well, and you know, we'll play there and we'll see them play there. So, there, I think that's probably what's in store for us in 2024. Excellent. Um, any uh, sort of you're looking at like interstate shows because you guys are playing a fair bit, well, 
I, th- I see you guys as very much a live band, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, are you sort of planning on venturing out of Taz? I at some would stage? love to. Um, it is a matter of hitting up with an act that we could play with. Mm. Um, Hobo Fopo, the, well, Hobo Folk and Punk Orgy is interesting because it had a bunch of bands that would come from interstate and play. Yep. And they're bands that we play locally with as well. If we were to play with one of the acts that are in that scene, that would mean coordinating things between more busy people. Mm, yeah. And that is, that is the variable. Yeah. It's not as much as, oh, you want to play together? Oh, yeah, no, that's cool. Let's, get, let's go. Yeah, it's uh, coordinating things. And as well as that, there's another thing, maybe because this is something else that you talk about, um, you know, as you get older, being fussier with things. I talk about, as I get older, reading the vibe with people. Because if I'm approaching them to play a show with them, I'm asking them for something. Mm. Can I play on your stage? Mm. So, you know, what can we offer and what can we bring as well? Mm. And setting them all up. And bookers book gigs, don't they? Yeah. Bands don't book gigs. Bookers book gigs. Mm. And so we would bring that together. Would we play a good show? Yes. How do we get our gear over? You know, then book the ticket Mm. and then see how we can get some people to come along to that. And we'd want to have a recorded product to bring to an interstate show, wouldn't we? Mm. This is our new thing. Get the album done and then, uh, so maybe 2025. Hmm. Well, I'd rather play, well, me personally speaking, just on my own. Yeah, it's easy. It's uh, easy. It's easier. But if I, were to, if, if I was um, the Kim Jong-un dictator of the sketches, which I am not. <laughs> no. Uh, um, That's not what the band says. No, it's not what the band says, but I would rather go in 2025 with a solid album recorded than play a gig interstate with the sketches tomorrow without a new product. I mean, be a good introduction, but then what? Mm. Then you need to record something and then you to, hmm. Yep. I think back in the day, I just liked the thought of just getting a guitar going on a plane, yeah. doing a whole heap of busking, just lining up some acoustic solo gigs. Yep. Because I could. Which is kind of what we did, uh, I guess, when we sort of first met or first yes. hooked up together. But that was fun. It was fun. It was- I remember actually a really splendid um, gig at a venue nine years ago. Yeah. And now that went really well. I wish things could have continued on from that, but mm. oh well, you know. Um and this is another thing, variables with playing shows that, mm. you know, the musicians themselves don't control. Yeah. You know. Uh, uh yeah, you know, mm. but then there are times when you came down to Tassie as well. Mm. The two venues that you played with us at aren't there anymore. Mm. It's sad, isn't it? Mm. Yes. Yeah. The latter, of it, I remember the, the place, the homestead. Yeah. That was fun. I'm surprised that's gone. Yeah. Now, look, I, I dropped a name, but, I mean, having said that, I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of why that venue is not there anymore and it's not my place to speculate and there's no judgment there. Yeah. So I'm not 
I'm not canning someone, but mm. that was a nice place it to was. play gigs at. Very nice, yeah. And I enjoyed it. I think that is the last gig I played. March 2019. Uh, was me with me? Was mm-hmm. that? Uh, it might have been. I can't remember. Was mm. that the really hot day? It or was a it was- hot. It was in March, and we had foe together before we oh, played. Yeah. Oh, uh, that might have been a different one then. Ah, uh, oh, hang on. There was a time when you were kind of, um, that's right, you flew over here, and yeah. then there was kind of a bushfire that started in Victoria, yeah, and you were flying yeah. back and looking at all this smoke, and I think it, it came close to the northern suburbs of Melbourne. Yeah. So I was asking, oh, is everything okay? Oh, yeah, no, nah, everything's fine here. Mm. Oh, yeah, cool. You know. Yeah, that was crazy. Crazy weather, and it was even really hot down in uh, Hobart there too. This is the whole thing because Hobart has a rep- Tasmania has a reputation for being cold, but when it gets hot, it doesn't muck around. Yeah, it has a highest, it has a higher recorded maximum temperature record than Darwin. Jeez, mm, okay. Darwin is just regularly hot. Yeah, but Hobart's extremes have been hotter. Okay. All right, so where can uh, where can the lovely folks out there find the sketches? Okay, um, on Bandcamp, the sketches Tasmania Um, so that's it. They know that we're the sketches. They know we're from Tasmania. The sketches Tasmania That's got recordings of our music we've done to date, or um, on Facebook. Facebook.com, the Sketches Band Official. Yep. Yeah, I, um, I'm awful with Instagram. Mm. I'm also awful with this – is, this is the worst, most unprofessional thing to reveal on a podcast. The spe- Sketches do have some songs on Spotify. Yeah. So there you go. They have some songs on Spotify for you. Okay. There you go. There you go. Eat your hearts out, everyone. <laughs> go, <laughs> you know? go get it. Yeah, well, absolutely. Do it. Links in the show notes, of course, to all all your pages. Yes. Um, thank you, Josh. Not nice a to see you again. Take care. We better go get some dinner now. So I'm hungry. Probably and you are my, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty hungry too. My stomach's rumbling. So cool. Thank you for coming back. Nice to see you again. Cheers, and, mate. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Go and check out the sketches. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And uh, hopefully we'll be back again soon with another episode of Fox Go on the Wire. Go and check out this guy too. You play guitar with Amy Francis? Yeah. So, cool. yeah, uh, Amy Francis in the Midnight Hours. Enjoy it. Oh, yeah. Take Can't care. Can't wait for it. All right. Take care, guys. Bye. <laughs>